coming to you live from the Business Radio X studio. It's Franchise Marketing Radio, brought to you by IDS, an award-winning digital marketing agency that delivers integrated marketing solutions for franchisers, franchisees, and franchise development teams. Learn why over 75 brands depend on IDS's team of dedicated marketers and client service professionals to deliver a strong ROI on their marketing investment. Go to IDSFranchiseMarketing.com for a complimentary digital audit and consultation. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Franchise Marketing Radio. I'm your host, Rob Ganley. And today we have a very special show. I say it every time, but I mean it because this really kind of chases back and aligns with what I know most about. <laughs> so it's exciting to have these conversations. But I want to welcome to the show today, Jana Bailey. She's a CFE and CEO of FranNet. And I'm sure a lot of you that are tuning in have heard of FranNet. But I'm going to jump right in and ask Jana to kind of tell us a little bit about her background with the brand. She's been there a long time and taken it through some transformations, including becoming a franchise. So I would love to hear a little bit. Tell us a little more, Jana. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much. Yes, I've been with FranNet 17 and a half years now. So it's been quite a ride so far and it's uh, not anywhere close to being over. So that's a good thing. My background, I was a banker. I was a commercial loan officer. I spent the first 13, 14, no, 18 years of my career in banking. And got out of banking, did what most old bankers do. I did consulting for a while and did some public speaking and training. And one of my clients was a franchise. And it was a owner of multi-regions in a hair care franchise. And I worked for them, did work for them for about a year and a half, two years. And then he approached me about taking the position of regional director. He wanted to focus more on his salons and on his warehouse and wanted somebody to run the region side. So I did that for about six and a half years and then went to work for corporate Fantastic Sam's and was with them for two and a half years, was doing a turnaround on a Texas region when I had the opportunity to join FranNet. So that's my, how did I get here? When we, when I was hired to go to work for FranNet, they had just purchased the company from the founder and the new owners were a group of franchise consultants, successful office owners in FranNet. And there was four of them that partnered together to kind of lead the acquisition. But I currently have maybe 28 shareholders or so that are primarily all but two maybe are FranNet consultants from when the purchase took place. So that's my, you know, my, my shareholders I report to. But FranNet was a mutual benefit company then, Rob. And if you want to know, you know, as a banker, I didn't, wasn't even sure what a mutual, mutual benefit company, but when you get down to it, it was a company run by committees. Howie took very little commission. And on um, flip side of that is he didn't have a whole lot of support to give. So the committees ran the inventory, the committees ran membership and overseeing who could join and who couldn't. The committees oversaw and each individual, they contributed to marketing and they, they oversaw the marketing. So it was just all these little committees. There were four people at headquarters when we took over the company. 
And it was in Carlsbad, California. And I, one of my negotiation points was I, I wasn't going to live in California. So uh, I was going to be going out there like, you know, every once a month, once every six weeks. And the work, rest of the time, I was basically told I could work from home in my jammies if I wanted to. It didn't matter. And I was only going to have about 20% travel. Well, none of that came to pass. <laughs> After about um, six months, we figured out we didn't have the right people on the bus to take us where we needed to go. And really, it needed to be where I was. So we took apart the company and moved it to Kentucky, to Louisville, Kentucky. And um, currently, we have about 16 employees on the FranNet side, and we have a sister company that has probably another 16. So it's not quite the same company. Um, we converted to the franchise model. That was one of the things we did right away. And part of that was, you know, it was like, why would they want to do that when they had this mutual benefit where they didn't, you know, do a lot, um, didn't have to have a lot of restrictions and that sort of thing. But what we promised and we've delivered on was a professional headquarters team that would provide support and would survive, um, provide ongoing training. And that, you know, all the things they didn't have, they were having to do, we would take care of that and they could concentrate on their business and helping more clients. So that's how it evolved to where we are today. Yeah, I love that story. I mean, the, the idea, well, first thing I thought of when you, you gave that last part of that answer about why did we choose to become a franchise, part of that too is, well, you're you're doing your own thing. Like you're, you know what I mean? You're back in what you're, what you're marketing. Could you, could exactly. you just real quick for the audience, just so in case they miss like FranNet, what exactly do the franchisees do? Maybe just clarify that for anyone sure. who doesn't know. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. FranNet is a franchise consulting slash brokerage group. Uh, some people call us brokers, consultants, some call us referral networks. At the end of the day, what we do is we find people that want to go into business and maybe they're exploring franchising and maybe that hasn't even crossed their radar yet. And we educate them about franchising and we match them with franchisors that have been pre-screened. So when we bring a new franchisor into our portfolio, we really boil down on who is your top performer? Who is the person you're looking for? And then when we see those people, we make sure that's one of the brands that they're introduced to. So I think of us as being like a headhunter, an executive recruiter on the job side. You know, yeah. we're out looking for good people to match with great companies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very cool. Very cool. I have to admit, I, that's where I started in franchise. I explained earlier to you yep. uh, that that was attractive. That idea of helping. Well, I thought I could learn a ton about businesses, and I did. You know, you really yeah. learn innovative ways. The best way to run that kind of business, right? So it's really cool stuff. Um, but it's funny how you say, you know, like, a lot of people don't know about franchising. We know of franchising. It's like it's there, but we don't know really what it is a lot of times, right? So so the franchise consultant or broker can really help people understand the opportunity of franchising. It's so much broader and bigger than people realize. Yeah, so. they always think fast food, you know, and of course, I immediately right, right. Go, McDonald's a million dollars. I can't afford a franchise. So exactly, you yeah. really have to take those blinders off of them and help them see. 
I know. It's just like you'd be shocked at the kinds of franchises you can run. Uh, so it's kind of cool that way. So so we talked a little bit about relationships there, which again, not me, I've been a marketer and a salesperson, very relationship driven, very conscious that that's what I was about and very important, right? I, I feel like relationships are are the reason we're really here, you know, uh, as human beings. So so it's great to have a profession where it's like really important to think about. But then we have this new wave of tech coming in, and it's not it's not new in the sense that tech has been a thing, especially since you took the helm, and you know, so you've been evolving and and and, and responding. And so, tell me a little bit, just in a general way, as CEO, how do you deal? with this landscape of technology. It kind of started in the 2000s, you could say the 90s. I was I started in the early 90s, so I could tell you it really became more impactful in the 2000s where people are like, do you need a website? And you know, we, we probably should be doing this thing called the internet. So, but anyway, how do you, now you've got AI, and we'll get into that a little bit more, but tell me as CEO, how do you manage that? Like, how do you know when to pursue something and when to say, you know, nothing's broken here, we're doing it well, how do you find those opportunities with technology? One thing I believe is you can never stand still, regardless of you know what your business is and how good you are at it. So one of my rules of thumb has always been every year to take a pause and as a group, what are we doing well? What could we do better? What should we not be doing? And what are the things we haven't, haven't even thought of that we need to think about? So as we've done that, you know, for, when when I took this job, FredNet had their first website and it was brand new and it was, you know, and our technology consisted of a um, computer of some sort in a closet and that was it. That was the whole, you know, network. If that thing had gone down, FredNet was no longer on the Internet. So we we actually put a, a gentleman on our board right away that had a strong IT background, Tim Halverson. And Tim was one of the co-authors of, um, I just went totally blank, blank, a major software company. And he brought so much insight to us and challenged us thinking and looking at more efficient ways to do things, which always turned out to some kind of a technology tool that would help us. Um, Back 17 and a half years ago, FranNet was using ACT. Each individual, nothing was collected at the corporate office. It was everybody had their own. So we made the major change to Fran Connect. And, you know, that was a huge upheaval. Um, anybody who doesn't like change hates going through these type things. But now we're on the second generation of Fran Connect. And, you know, we're constantly looking at what else could software and technology do for us? How can it improve? And a big thing came about during COVID. FranNet had always met face-to-face with all their clients in their market. Well, COVID came and we couldn't. So we, you know, adopted Zoom and Google Meet and, you know, all the other meeting technology. And that was really a huge jump for us. Um, And as most people have said, you know, I saw more change take place in that year and a half that we were shut down and COVID was going on. We saw things just have to change so fast. 
it, it was crazy, but you had to change or be left behind. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm proud to say that we're, we've always been forward thinking and forward looking and um, we didn't get left behind. Yeah. 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 No, you didn't. And I, I'll tell you that that time frame during COVID was really mm. an interesting time like to observe. Uh, and because I always said, and we were doing a lot of interviews back then too. And like, Hey, what's going on with you? Like in the middle of it, like, like four weeks ago, we're now like, and I'm having one of these interviews, right? Like, yeah. what are you doing? And it, and what it was, it, what it unfolded to be over the, let's say, call it the first six months, was really a testament to franchising. It was. It was the biggest testament I've ever seen. If you want to, to, to say anything about franchising, you just mentioned that because yeah. to be in any other business at that time without the network, without the support, without the innovation, without the shared knowledge, without the, we're going to get through this. We don't have a choice. That's an entrepreneurial spirit of america right so you tie it and i just thought it was wonderful and yes it was cool to see the technology for me i was like why don't people use zoom more often i mean we could do some of it on zoom right yeah. i mean you know, you know so there's like this balance right and i'm like i think there's a little more we could be doing i don't know why because i was always several steps ahead uh usually my problem was always saying things to people they just weren't ready to hear um <laughs> and a few, few years later everybody has it right um but anyway so yeah, no, what a testament that was to franchising. Um, is there one innovation you can point to? I mean, I guess like the Zoom idea, but anything else that you said, you know what, we're still doing that and we're glad we're doing that now. Is there anything that to kind of stuck and it's sort of in the in the No, Zoom is the big one because now we did we had like two and a half weeks to our spring meeting when they shut everything down. In that two and a half weeks, we pivoted from what would have been a 350, 400 people in-person meeting to a virtual meeting. It was amazing. My team rallied and they got it done and it worked very, very well. Um, we haven't continued with the virtual meetings because we heard from a lot of people. There's just nothing like being in person. And being, you know, getting together. I mean, we all missed that human contact and, you know, getting the hugs and the slaps on the backs and shaking hands. We missed that. So we've gone back to the live meetings. We did as soon as we could. So we did not embrace that for the long term. Yeah, well, that's an important point. We talked about a little earlier today about relationships, right? And uh, and then get, again, I mentioned to you earlier, you know, obviously AI is confronting us like all these other techs have, but this time it feels different to me as a, as a consultant and a business person. Um, and so it goes back to how do you manage change and how do you lead through it? And you had said earlier with the example of the CRM and, you know, mm -hmm. friend connect and, and I, I know I've been through those implementations with CRMs and, changing a network of users. And, and you're talking about individual businesses that do have some autonomy and, and right. you know, they, they're business owners, right? They, they right. make their decisions. So how do you as a CEO, and you know, it's coming, like there's a wave of change that just regardless is coming. How do you anticipate taking people through these iterative changes successfully? Is there, is there an ingredient that you lean on when you deal with change with a network? Like, you know, okay, we're going to do this change now. It's going to probably take the next year, 
Is there something you keep in mind and use to make sure you get that the most effectively as you can? I'm a big believer in communication. And I believe open communication early and often through change. You know, first you have to get everybody to understand why it's necessary. Then you have to be able to point out the advantages to them of making the change. Why should they get on board with this? And then you have to really walk them through, you know, all the different, you know, here's where we're at. This is what's happening now. This is what you can expect next. And because it's a process, you know, you don't just flip a switch. You, there was there was work that had to be done by on their parts as well as on the headquarters part to, to make conversions and changes. We have a absolutely phenomenal FAC, Franchise Advisory Council. And we don't do anything without the advisory council being aware of it and being, you know, buying into it. And I can tell you, there's been some decisions through the years that that advisory council has helped me fine tune, you know, that maybe if I'd have gone out without checking with them, we'd have had a problem. So the advisory council, it becomes so much more than just overseeing the marketing dollars. They actually become a part of the, those decisions and looking at options and helping us make the best choices for change. And then they're part of the change management team as well. So we're all communicating. They're very open. Franchisees reach out to, you know, sometimes they're not as comfortable calling me, which I don't understand why, but it's okay. They call the FAC and, and they can walk them through and give them extra, you know, reassurance about things. So I think the companies, and, and I've observed it through the years, that make a mess of change they try to cram it down people's throat. And it's just like, this is just what we're doing. And our contract says so. You cannot do that with franchisees. You know, I learned and I remember hearing an old timer years ago say that the minute you have to start quoting your contractor in trouble. So this is a people business and any change, you know, you've got to, you've got to reassure them. You've got to win them over. And, you know, they've got to see why you're doing it and feel good about it. I love that because, and, and we say, so advisory council, some people call them different things, but mm -hmm. it, it's, and, and I wonder if your thought on this, like, don't you think that concept, I think it's brilliant. In other words, the idea is you're the franchisees, we're the brand. So there's already that natural sort of, we're all one brand, but there is that separation, right? Mm -hmm. There's this business relationship between the two sides. But isn't it amazing how making them part of the decisions helps them own it and be accountable to it and feel part of it? So it's our idea. And, and, and I work with a brand uh, in the senior care space. And, and one of the most brilliant things that brand did is they have a product that helps senior drivers stop driving. But they, the product is structured around helping the senior driver see that it's their idea. It makes yeah. it their idea. And so it's so powerful when you do it the opposite way, where I'm just going to take this away because it makes sense. It's just, we have to do it. It doesn't matter. You're, you're taking that, their autonomy, their freedom. It just doesn't feel right. It doesn't lead to the right culture, the right things. So as you said, if you've got to go to a contract and quote a contract, we're definitely in the wrong place. Yeah. Uh, that is, I wish we didn't have to have them, but obviously there are reasons why we do. 
But anyway, you certainly hope you don't have to go there. No. Um, yeah, that's brilliant. So making it about making them part of the decisions, making them part of the future, clearly communicating and, and being in it together, kind of like COVID. COVID forced the issue, but it forced us to work together in the absolute way you would do it. I think sometimes when you are changing a CRM, it's not like COVID, where we have a common enemy that's driving to the change. But but you almost have to frame it that way. It's like together we have these growth goals, and we've got to get a piece of technology that'll help us get there. So we really need it, you know. So it's like, yeah. Anyway, I I just I look into that those dynamics because I realized I said earlier I think franchising is brilliant, and it's just one of those things that we take for granted. It's like anyone outside of it. If they understood the brilliance of how we build teams and expand networks and brands and sell and grow, it's a brilliant methodology, a great way to grow. So, you know, Rob, despite doing all of those things, there's always going to be people that don't agree with you. And there's always going to be unhappy franchisees about something. And, you know, back when we went to the um, franchise model, we only had now we were told if we had 50% convert to franchise ease, we would it would be a home run because that just doesn't usually happen. We had like 85, 89% somewhere in there. So we were just shy of 90%. And I was thrilled. And quite frankly, some of the ones that didn't convert, we were okay with <laughs> them not oh, yeah. converting. Um, yeah. And you know, but there's always those people that will not agree and cannot see the greater good. And sometimes, sometimes you have casualties along the way, and sometimes that's good for the health of the brand. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, you want, like I said earlier, it is about a common brand, a common idea, and we all have to be in agreement. <laughs> so having a lot of different opinions in that mix won't lead to a good, a good uh, outcome. Uh, so. I have you, right? Like you are, I think FranNet is probably, I would say for me, I, I would say you're at the top. I, I really look to you, your brand as being one of the better networks out there for what you do. I mean, and you help franchise ors grow and one of the key ways they do it. And I, I would venture to say they couldn't do it without you, right? Like the growth I see in certain brands, that rapid growth, especially early on, rely heavily on your relationships and your network's relationships. And so tell me a little bit, if you could, about the marketing side. You've got franchisors you help. Obviously, they're focused on growing and they've got marketing going. And I know I kind of work on that side. I Marketing is not just working with networks like yours. We also have to think about advertising and our brand and our reputation. And we have lots of relationships, hopefully, if you're doing it well. But the Broker networks are key. Like you can't, and hopefully you have one great relationship, like with a friend that, and and that is key to. When I look at our numbers, a lot of my clients' numbers, it could be more than half of the revenue growth. Um, tell me what what is the maybe the biggest problem that you've seen since you've been doing this in terms of uh, you know helping a franchisee be successful, thus helping franchises grow. So we're finding more candidates for brands. What do you think the biggest challenge is for marketing franchises, an emerging brand, let's say? Um, what is what, like, what would be the first thing you shared with somebody that's thinking about launching a franchise? What, what is that sort of key ingredient for that first wave of growth? And, and how do you help? 
Well, that first wave of growth, um, I really don't like to bring on brands unless they have really proof of concept. And that's more than the mothership. You know, I like to see that they've got a couple open and or you know, however many. And I always tell people that that first 10 is critical, you know, and probably the first handful, three, four, five is going to be friends, family and existing customers that have been at saying, I'd like to have one of these or whatever it is. And you're going to make special concessions for them and you need to babysit them and you need to be sure they're wildly successful because they are the future of your franchise in validation and that you're going to point to and say, see how it works. So if you don't get those first few right, you can't work with brokers because brokers won't work with you if you've got poor validation. That's number one for us. So you've got to have that handful and that strong validation. Now, have there been exceptions? Yes. We have brought on brands that were just getting started. I mean, we started with Shelly's son and Bright Star, and she had like one location out that was not the mothership. So yes, we've done that. But those are exceptions and not the rule. Right. Um, you, you need, the biggest mistake I see young brands make is, hiring their friends, cousins, brother for sales that have never been in franchise development. It's different. And if you want to be successful and grow, you've got to have the right person in that key spot. And if you don't have the money or the ability to hire that person, then you need to be working with a good franchise sales organization that becomes your outsourced sales department. And the, the beauty of that is the brokers know them and know that they understand the process. The biggest fear, and I think this is something every brand has to understand, anyone in this profession as a broker referral network or, you know, associate, whatever you want to call us, consultant, they only get paid when a placement takes place. You know, we don't get a fee for all the hours we put in with a candidate before they ever get to you. And we're spending, you know, our people are spending their own money on marketing and different activities to generate these leads. So they're out of pocket. They're out, you know, their time and their money to get someone to the point to talk to a franchisor. I tell people this is gold. They're handing you gold. And if we get a franchise development person that doesn't respond in a timely manner, that shows up for the meetings unprepared for the clients, can't answer their questions, drops the ball in frickin' frack with FranNet, that franchisor is dead with us. You're not going to keep handing off gold to somebody that keeps dropping it. You want to work with people that will work with you, that understand the process, and you all work in harmony back and forth through the whole process. That's the key for a young brand. Get the right person working with the consulting groups, and you'll be and you'll be golden. You'll be golden. Yeah, and there's such a huge important result, right? I mean, we're all if you start a, a brand, you you have a vision that goes much further and you won't it's proven it's hard to get there and so what we're talking about is that hard part of growing that network and a lot goes into that to get that candidate to the table in the first place with the right mindset 
<laughs> and the right background. So that is that is quite important. And, and right, exactly. You're investing. There's no there's no fee up front. So there has to be that working relationship that pays off and, and it wins for everyone. And it does. It is a win-win-win if you're working together, if everybody's following through. Yeah, know. Rob, I That's so wish some of these brands would call me before they hire people. You know, in our industry, there's a lot of people that have a different shirt on at every IFA meeting, different brand. And there's a reason for that. So before you hire this expert who's been all around the industry, you might want to check and see if they're going to be worth it for you or you're just going to be the next, you know, piece on the resume that didn't work out. You got to get people to believe, right? Yes. You're, you're, you you got a team of franchisees and they're passionate about what they do, but you got to, you got to figure out how do we get there in sales? It was always, if I believed in some, I was number one. I was driven that way. I just couldn't help myself. I remember uh, I got a story like from back in the nineties when the, the push, the talk, walkie talkies became more prevalent with Nextel and they became sprint, but they, I remember how groundbreaking it was. I, I felt so driven to tell the prospect to do this. You don't understand. And, and, and so, but then I realized later that I just don't have the same drive for this product. Like it, it's just not, so you really, belief is key and you can, you can set the stage. A lot of it comes down to communication and, yep. and, and painting the right picture, but you do need that though. You need someone on your team that cares about your brand like you do. If you can find someone close to that. Maybe not quite as much as you, but they should care. They should be proud of what they do. And I think yeah. you get salespeople like that. They always produce. So um, your biggest challenge will be to kind of reel them in. And you, know, you got us a lot of revenue, but now we're, we're kind of got growing pains. You know? right. Anyway, so that's usually a good problem. Anyway, yeah. so so going back to staying on this path a little bit, because again, I know you see a lot of brands and worked with a lot of brands and grew a lot of brands. So now we're a little further down. We're at maybe 50 units. Maybe we even crossed that 100 unit threshold. Mm -hmm. What do you think at that stage when they engage with you? What is the, some of the things that you have to work on getting them to improve? Like what are the sticking points that you see that, that you help them push through to kind of get to that next level? Well, the first thing is we want to be sure it's working. You know, again, I go back to validation. Do you have good validation? You know, it and franchisors that we've worked with, there have been times when I've asked them to take a pause with us because they really needed to focus on their internal operations and getting their house in order. In that race to 100, a lot of times that is so fast and furious that people get left along the way. And then before they know it, they've got some really disgruntled people and they've lost touch with it. So be sure you keep your, you know, you've got an operations team that's staying in touch with not only onboarding new people, but making sure those that are with you are happy and they're getting the support they need and that they were promised on the front end. So keeping your house in order as you go is key. And we surface those things a lot of times in validation. And I've had to go back and sit down with franchisors and say, here's what we heard. And some of them are shocked. I mean, they're just shocked, which is even scarier to me, is that they've lost that much touch with with their people. But you, you've got to you've got to keep your finger on that pulse and know what's going on out there as a franchisor. Yeah. Yeah. What we can help with as they cross that line and they've still got a lot of white space out there 
is we can help them focus in those areas because we've got people located all over the country. And, and, you know, let's say I want to grow in New Jersey. Well, I'm going to put you in touch with Jack Armstrong. I want to grow this, you know, I'm going to put you in touch here. So it's like being sure that they can identify those markets they want to fill in and be very clear about those that are sold out and closed. So we know, and we won't waste our time in those closed markets. You know what you just said was, I kind of always knew that, but it just made it more clear, right? I mean, that is, so let me follow up with a question kind of lead to what I'm saying is that, it's hard to target, isn't it? And in a franchise brand, the strategy of your scaling and growth is very much about like certain markets because there's re- other reasons for that. And, and 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 to be successful, you really do want to zero in in certain geo, geo areas as a priority. And so my question is, digitally speaking, you have a lot of franchisees that market. Um, and I know it's very relationship driven. Yes. But is there a, a method digitally that you have found that is helpful to augmenting what your franchisees do in the local markets that you often recommend or that they use to bring more candidates? Is there something you've relied on to supplement or is it is it just too hard and is it more relationship driven? Like how do you see that? It's primarily relationship driven in those local markets. Now, our people are always testing new things and open to trying new things and try to geo-target. But at the end of the day, a lot of times it boils down to that presence in the community and being out there. You know, that's what FranNet was based on. Now, we are more open territory now and people are crossing the territory lines and that's fine and it's working. But they still, their number one Our number one deal source year after year after year is personal referrals. And those are referrals from prior clients, from people that didn't buy, but saw the value in the process and from the network you establish around you in your local market. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so we had talked earlier about technology, a little bit about how you manage change and all that. And so we know about AI, right? I want to bring up AI. Okay, and that was that was a, a you know huge impact last year. I think we'll all look back and say 2023. That was a big pivotal year. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me a little bit. I mean, you just summed it up, and I don't think that'll ever change what, what we just talked about. Nope. But how does and, and and maybe this is a future thinking trend? Looking, you know, you're you're thinking five years, ten years. You know, as a CEO, you have to have that side of your brain too. Um, how do you see that playing out with relationships? Is there a way you think that just from what you're seeing now that AI would actually add value and help help with relationships or like anything that, that comes to mind or any other trends that you think are really important to think about in your in in, in your role as a as a broker? Brandnet has just launched in October. We introduced it to our network of franchisors and we're going to be at the IFA and we're launching it to the industry next month. We had a project under wraps for over two years and it is AI, but it's also 35 years of data that FranNet has collected. It is very, it is, it is, 
I'm so excited about it. It's, it's hard to talk about. And there's so many different pieces to it that we're working on. But at the end of the day, what we want to be able to do is provide a path to people that may not be ready to talk to us. We know that more and more people want to do their research online. So we're providing a path for them with an out. There's several off ramps constantly. If you're ready to talk to a broker, we're here. But our sister company, Qualify, is providing that tool to capture those people that want to start their journey themselves and go to whatever point before they're ready for us. We still believe at the end of the day, they're going to want to speak to somebody. I mean, it's like me looking at houses before we bought where we're at now. I did a lot of research on Zillow and other places, and I kind of zeroed in on the communities I liked. And But I still picked up on the phone and called a realtor to take me to look at some and to help us with that final decision. I always believe there's going to be a place for good brokers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in relationships in the future, the way I start to think about it is AI can help help us have better relationships, right? Mm-hmm. Like how many times do we rush relationships? Because we think sometimes we're, we're taught be efficient, focus on your goals. Don't, you, know, you don't have time for people. They're wasting your time, right? Like right. you're always categorizing things. And it's like, wait a minute, we are human beings. Wouldn't it be great if we could care about each other every day? Like, and it yes. didn't have to be about some agenda. Uh, I think AI can help with maybe, hey, I can actually spend more time with you right now. And I think that would feel better if I'm going to just make an investment and my life savings is on the line. I would like to have a friend almost as much as just the details, right? Right. The details will come, but I need that sort of connection to say, I'm doing the right thing. There's someone else, right? Exactly. And that's why we're, we're, I'm still very bullish on the fact that there's still a place and will be for, for franchise brokers that do the job well. Yeah. Very cool. Well, what, the sister company you mentioned a couple of times, you want to share the name or who's the qualified. sister company? Oh, qualified. You said qualified. Okay. Qualified. Got it. Yes. Cool. And we will very have a cool. booth at the IFA and it'll be hard to miss us. So we hope to see everybody there. I will, I will be looking into it. I appreciate you. I appreciate you. I'm very interested. So that sounds exciting. Um, but so tell me, as we wrap up, is there is there a piece of advice? If there was one thing, and I think you honed in on something, so maybe summarize a little that you would have for a franchisor um, that really, you know, maybe they feel stuck. Maybe they are at some place in growth mm-hmm. and they feel a little stuck. Is there anything that you would say, this is one of the things you want to start with to get unstuck or something like that that you wanted yeah. to share? Um, first thing I would say is pick your partners carefully. There's a lot of people in this industry that say they're doing the same thing and they're not. So pick your partners carefully. Be sure you understand what they're offering and what your, your part in it's going to be. So, you know, whether that's somebody that's going to help you launch a franchise or is an FSO or is a broker group. Be sure you pick the right partners. Do your homework. Ask for references. Talk to other people in the industry. Our industry attracts a ton of people. So because it is such a viable and solid industry, but be sure you're picking the right partners and every step along the way. I I see a lot of sad younger brands that have wasted a lot of money with the wrong people. So, you know, be careful, 
make good choices, be sure you've got the right fit. And if you feel stalled, I, I would encourage you to go to the IFA convention and go to some of the other IFA events, because that's a place you're able to talk to others that have been where you are, and they're going to help advise you. And the camaraderie and the sense of family within our industry is just amazing that people are willing to share. I mean, I, I just had something this morning. There's a CEO, used to be CEO roundtable, and now it's just open for any level of, of management person and bring your worst problem and they try to help solve it, you know, and they'll go through a process where others at the table share. That type of setting can do more for you than 10 book, great books you might read. And there's some great books out there, but yeah, go no. hear from others that have already done what you're trying to do. I feel like, yeah, like most of the things about franchising are sort of these invisible psychological things that occur that you can't attribute, but is everything everything exactly. because it's what pushes you through day by day you know month by month year by year but it's that you said it that sense of i can do that i'm like him i, I can i'm in fact i'm i'm better than him if he can do it i can do it right exactly. it's like, just that one revelation of saying i know i can do it at the right time comes from that interaction it could be an hour-long meeting or whatever but you can't get it unless you go and, and start to interact and get to know people you're right as big as the franchise industry is it's very small when you get to a place like the IFA, when you when you get connected and it's not that big anymore. And it's so many great people. And yeah. and and honestly, yeah, it's very different than a lot of other structures like the corporate world, where there's a lot of firewalls. I mean, it's it the internet is definitely democratized and now AI will change the world that way. But it is there's a lot of firewalls getting some help. And that's why I love to I love this this what I do here, this podcast, because I love talking to people like you because I'm like learning every time. I'm sorry, but there's no way I wouldn't when I get to talk to someone who's lived another journey for X number of decades and done amazing things. So it's it's fun, right? But you get that access and and I don't see it in other industries all the time. So that's great, a great insight. So before you sign off, would you share the website and Maybe qualify again, maybe mention that again. Um, but just for the, anybody that's tuning in, how can they reach out? What's the best way to reach out to FranNet? Well, FranNet is FranNet, and that's two N's, F-R-A-N-N-E-T dot com. And you will find we're all very approachable. And feel free to reach out to me or any of my team. And we're there to try to help and give you advice and steer you in the right direction. Um, qualify is Q-U-A-L-I-F-Y and then an I out behind the Y. So qualify. Um, and it is, like I said, it's official launch is going to be at the IFA. So for those of you listening that'll be there, I hope to see you at our booth. Awesome. Awesome. Good time of year. So enjoy that uh, that event, and uh, I, I encourage everybody to maybe look into that if you don't know about the IFA. So yeah. you can Google that. But anyway, Jana, it's been an absolute pr pleasure having you. I hope we get to talk more and more because AI is not going away, and you're a, an innovative thinker. So we'll, we're uh, we're I'm looking forward to learning more about Qualify as well. So that's very cool stuff. It's great okay. to have you today. Thanks again. Thank you. It's been great being with you. Thank you.